Welcome to the round 13 Supercoach Coach Podcast. I'm Marcus, and this week joined by FB Donkey. Welcome back. Cheers, mate. Coming straight off the boat. Been out seeing the whale sharks today. Pretty exciting day. The weather is pretty mint here. Whereas uh, just watching in the pre-show, mate, it's uh, you've got to put a beanie on. I'm pretty sure mm. I watched you drink half a bottle of bourbon. So it should be an interesting <laughs> show. I was thinking you said in the pre-show, even though that was a bucket list item, the highlight of your day today is coming on here and uh, speaking to me and our community. So thank you. That was so kind. Always is, mate. Can't <laughs> always make time for you guys if I can. Awesome. So you kicked my butt this week. Uh, Again. And this time was a proper butt kicking. I think you beat me by about 100 points. Uh, it's the buys. I'll put it down to that. But you, you have reclaimed the uh, season leader tag off me finally. So congratulations. Uh, so nine out of 12 wins so far this season, me versus you. Deserve to be in front, I guess, with that record. Although I would have liked to have taken over in better circumstances. We both slid a bit in the rankings and buys are supposed to be our thing. Just a few decisions didn't go our way. Clary captain, which wasn't too bad, but had Miller locked in just before bounce and taking Darcy over Gorn just cost an absolute, like it cost 130 points already. And my three Ruckman English Darcy and Big O struggled to equal Gorn's single score. So it's always going to be tough not having Gorn this week. Luckily, we've got Darcy against Hawthorne. So hopefully Meek gets back out of that team and uh, get some dominant scoring. But yeah, very painful sliding doors moment. I'm trying not to think about it because, man, it's causing some real rage inside. I was thinking, Marcus, with 10 games left, Darcy has to beat Gorn by 14 points per game over those 10 weeks just to break even. That's not great for sure. Hopefully he reclaims 80 points this week. So we'll, we'll see how we go. <laughs> 1735 was my score for the round. Dropped me That's back terrible. outside the 10K. Yeah, pretty poor. You know, it's a bad week when you've like slipped outside the 10K. And you're like, oh, that's, I was expecting worse. Had a lot of things not go right, including Petrarca having another poor score. But won't dwell too much on things I can't change and look forward to this week. Most of us, if they've not already finished our teams, are finishing our teams this week. What score did you finish with, Donk? I think I got 18-10. So dropped uh, about 1,500 rank. So pretty terrible. Down to 9,000. So at least I'm in the top 10,000, though. It'd be pretty shattering not to be to this week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In terms of our Super Coach Coach group, Top score for the week was 21-68. Tyler's team, Shep Screamers, pushed him up into the top 100. So Tyler's nice. sitting at 95th. Congrats to him. And in our Patreon group, top scorer there was Jared's team, Gorn in 60 seconds with a 21-14. So congratulations to those big scores, big moves up the ladder during the bias is exactly what we want. For our community, so it's good to see other people picking up the slack. Donk. Hey, someone's got it. All right. In terms of our topics for the week, we're going to talk about the buy free players. Of course. What else, if not the buy free players? As long as you're not looking for a forward, like I think you are, Marcus. 
Yeah, unfortunately, I was going to bring Bailey Smith in next week. I suppose it's more fortunate than having Bailey Smith, but I'll be looking at a stepladder player instead to bridge the couple of weeks until I pick him up. Probably shouldn't have traded Butters out considering the two-week out, but I wanted to get additional scoring on field. Imagine if I had it, I would have scored even worse for the round. First question, let's get into it from Aralis Maximus, one of our patrons. Any thoughts on best downgrade targets to generate cash? Probably the main challenge of the week. Before we get into the exciting trade-ins, for those looking to downgrade to generate the cash needed to finish with the primos, the options are there, but in some cases a little bit sparse, especially because a few of us went early last week on Owens and Ware types because we needed a downgrade last week. So it's a bit of a struggle this way. I know there are some coaches looking to use their final boost this week. I was potentially in that camp or uh, am potentially going to use my last boost this week. And so a lot of people looking for a couple of downgrades. Now, if you don't have either of them, they'll probably stand out as two players that hopefully get named this week. I think Owens is quite a sure thing considering his last game in the team. But yep. even where I think has a question mark in terms of whether or not he actually is named this week. Yes. Uh, I think that they're expecting Whitfield back this week, uh, as long as he trains on Friday, which potentially is a similar position and could actually put him out of the side. But yeah, you'd think that Owens would play. He's probably the pick of the week, even when we did discuss him with a, in a fair bit of length last week. So you probably know my thoughts there where I think that any rookie that's named that's played two games and is playing their third you basically just have to take them because we need downgrade options at this stage of the year and I think that in hindsight I wouldn't mind actually having one of my boosts still I think that this week making four trades is a pretty good idea if you can make it work now in terms of looking at other options there is one player that has played four games that has stayed at the basement price of 102k. And that's only because they have applied a limit in terms of a player going below the, the lower starting price tag. Otherwise, he, he would be sub 100k. And that's one of your bombers, Tex Wanganin. Has been affected by some games playing as the sub, yeah. but has also played full game scoring like a sub. Small forward position isn't great, and he probably doesn't look quite AFL grade yet. He's one of those selections that you signed on in the preseason, so not yeah, February uh, selection. Drafty. Any thoughts on him? And if he plays, you know, is he the type of player you run or scoring a twenty? <laughs> do you, do you, what's the point, sort of thing? I guess if his name's this week with a few bombers coming back potentially, or so against Carlton on Friday night, we should have maybe two or three come back and then a couple the following week. You would think that he was sort of already the 22nd player on in that team or 20th player at least. So uh, you would think he'd struggle to hold his spot. But if he is named and you're desperate for a downgrade, I can see that being a potential. He did miss a bit of footy through the COVID situation and so probably hasn't had that full time to develop and would probably benefit from a bit more time in the vfl 
is really quick, probably not a big enough body to really stick tackles yet and only really plays in bursts. If the Bombers were playing maybe West Coast and North in the next two weeks, he might be an option, but we're not. So that means that, yeah, I'd be pretty reluctant to pick him. Throw another name out there. So we've run out of options that have played after coming off a buy, but there is one that has gone up one price movement. Jesse Motlop, 135K coming off the buy. If he's still named, would you consider him? Possibly, because I think they're, they've either just signed him or they're looking to re-sign him at the moment. He has done a little bit in patches that looked quite good. He does perform a role for Carlton. We, um, they would probably like to have a player like that in their side. Probably won't play every game on the run home, but the price is not terrible. And if you really, really need a forward rookie, um, and considering he hasn't gone up much, if he's named this week, he could kick. Six against the Bombers, who knows? I, I don't know. I like that selection better than Wanganine. I think he's a bit further ahead in his development. Now, the only one else who in the trade-in stats looks like a decent buy is Sam Durden. Just got drafted in the mid-season draft. They've picked him up potentially as a direct cover for Weedering being out injured for a little bit. Yeah. Durden gets named, that would be quite good, but he is another defensive listed player. So may not be a suitable downgrade for everyone if you're already bringing a wear type in and if you have, let's say, Rory Thompson, uh, the both of us do. I think that wear, if named, would be my first pick and it'd be better to probably see at least one game from Durden before bringing him in especially if he's named straight up, which has a good chance he will. He's mature age or he played, I think it was four seasons with the Kangaroos, normally averaged about 50, 55 during that time. I guess the issue is that as soon as Weedering's fit, you'd think he would struggle to hold his spot. But they've lost, what, Oscar McDonald. Uh, Marchbanks had some interruptions in his comeback in the VFL. So you would think that there is a good chance that Durden might just come straight into that side. So uh, as a mature age pick, someone that they've picked for, uh, need and in the short term, I, I don't mind that selection at all. Now, outside of those players, you're picking a player that is either non-playing. So some people are looking at Bryn Tickle, who is a 102k ruck forward that was just drafted in the mid-season draft. Will not help your on-field scoring, but if you need a downgrade and he's going to eventually sit at your ruck forward third spot. Uh, in the rucks there, that might not be too bad a selection. And the other one that is worth considering is Jai Cully, who was the number one pick in the mid-season draft for West Coast, 102K mid-forward. Super high risk because West Coast are on the bye. There's no guarantees that he's going to get games, but there's a potential that he starts getting some games once he gets a little bit more time with the team. I wonder whether, you know, if you're comparing a guy like him to Tex Wanganin, do you just pick Wanganin because he's named? Or, you know, are you worried about his medium-term job security, his scoring, and would you just prefer to take a guy who might be better cover when you're looking at injury relief in the run home? Yeah, I reckon that pick the playing player, because I think we need as many warm bodies on field as possible, although, like we sort of discussed, Wanganin could put out a 15 even in a full game. I think that the tricky bit is with Cully is that he might have been number one pick, but uh, he's probably more of a long-term selection than 
uh, player that they're that's mature age and they're just trying to get into their side now. If he played for any other side other than West Coast to have really struggled to even field a team, I don't think Cully would be a good selection at all this year. I think you really need to go down that list and look for like a Brett Turner from Adelaide or something like that, uh, who unfortunately also has the bye this week. There's players that are mature age and could actually come in and play consistently straight away. I'm not sure that Cully is that sort of player, so I'm not sure he actually would have better job security than Wanganeen. Patrick Parnell is another rookie who... I think he got injured. On... Yeah, I think they took him off, but I don't think it is going to be a problem for him getting back on field in a couple of weeks. So he's probably still not a great punt, but at least he was named before being subbed out of a game. Um, yeah. Again, high risk though. Like none of the options we're tossing up are particularly good at the moment. I think that we probably need to cover one situation because I think a lot of coaches out there will have it, which is if your ruck line is say Gorn, Pruce, Hayes, Hayes has already had his buy, so it would make great cover next week for Gorn, um, locking in a couple of ruck spots if Pruce is named, which is a pretty big advantage. But Tico this week really unlocks that cash. It is a way to actually get that cash on field and you might just end up better off just uh, if you don't have enough downgrade options. Say you went early on Owens or where um, you need a downgrade great option. I'd be pretty tempted to just take the money from Hayes and reinvest that elsewhere in your team. Yeah, it's a tough one. I think it really depends on the buy situation that you're facing in the last round. If you are more than comfortable, then fading those points may not hurt you that much in the best 18 situation but if it's going to cause you a donut then i would almost prefer to just upgrade after the fact and not bringing a non-playing player that causes a donut car feels like you're just robbing peter to pay paul if you're taking one score off your field next week just to upgrade a score this week Let's go to some trade-in premium targets. Unfortunately, we don't have much better news in the rookie stakes, so uh, fingers crossed we get some players named for a debut this week, and that may be potentially more tempting than some of the options we talked about going blind on some players. This next question is from Michael Duffy. Best primo mid-upgrade coming off the buy. I think that is the question we got the most for the yeah. week. The three that I want to start off with, Darcy Parrish, Sam yep. Walsh, and Josh Kelly. I think if you look at the top end, not just from a price point of view, but in terms of recent history and potential to burn you, et cetera, those are probably the three standouts. Now, Kelly, I don't think a lot of people would have anticipated being in those conversations because not a lot of people started him for from a discounted price early in the season he's probably third of the three just because yeah. of the risk to downside but just thought we'd have to add his name in there to recognize the season that he's had or at least the last you know six seven weeks parish and walsh though that's a very interesting one yeah it is and i probably defer to you a little bit with Paris just because i think that i'm probably less inclined to actually pick bombers even as a bomber supporter Paris has been Super great at getting the ball all season, but his scores haven't been massive. He actually hasn't had a, a big 150 plus yet this season, but uh, has only had two games under 100 and they were 97 and 99. So he seems a super reliable pick in the back half of the season. Bombers aren't playing well enough to bother tagging anyone most of the time. So yeah, I don't mind Parrish. I think that out of the two, I would take Walsh though. So Walsh missed round one, had a 90 on comeback and his last three scores, 149, 133 and 123. 
I just think that he's building and Carlton is still in contention and should play finals this year. So I think that he will likely keep going. I guess the the ruck situation at Carlton could influence his scores potentially just because it could, once Pitnett comes back, it could release Cripps a little bit more to get a bit more scoring. But for me, out of the two, I would, or even out of the three, I would take Walsh, then Parrish, then Kelly. What about you? The same. I've got Walsh in my team. Very excited to have him in still less than 10% of teams at the moment. Parrish is at 12%. I think the call out with Walsh though, is that he potentially is higher risk to downside just because of how stacked the Carlton midfield are. So he's been playing a little bit more time in the wing and up forward, which has delivered points for Walsh as well, because he's managed to get to the end of some outside ball, which does suit the way he plays. He does run all day. But Parrish, I think, has lower chance of going sub-100, evidenced by his scoring so far this season. He's not scored below the ton since round four, with the low being 109. So he's basically scoring 110 plus every round. And yes, he's not blowing it out, but he's got a couple of 130s, a 140, a 128, like that reasonably solid scores. He's just an accumulator and he's carrying on from last season. So I think both are pretty safe. I'd go Walsh ahead of Parrish, but both are very much in the running for top eight mids by the end of the year. So I don't think you can go too wrong. If I was going an expensive midfielder this week, it would be Walsh, but then you would probably yell at me for taking one of your players. (laughs) Well, I've got Parrish, so I can cheer the bombers on for you. I think he's going to be my final pick this week. Now, Bridget Jolly's next question, and moving into the more discounted territory, Boke and Merritt bargains or traps, who will score more? And I do want to throw Patrick Cripps in there. Now, I know he's pretty highly owned, but there are coaches that don't have him. He's now 540k, so almost 550. Does present some value. Like you say, he has probably been let down since Pitnett's been out by the fact that he's had to do some backup rucking um, has certainly affected his scores. But prior to that, he was averaging 125 and looking like one of the top mids of the comp. Do you still have Crips in the top eight comfortably or is he now, you know, if you didn't have Crips more in the merit Boke camp? Oh, that's a really tricky one. Based on recent form, you would take probably merit ahead of him, I guess. But I guess similar with Walsh, I just think that Carlton competing for finals, I think will keep them, keep him very interested. His body's held up a little bit better this year. And I think that the changing ruck situation at Carlton is likely to bring back Cripps into some of that form. So I think I do have Cripps still in a bit of a different category to those guys, but Oak and Merritt both have been like genuine midfield premiums in the past and can go on some really nice runs. So out of those guys, I think I flagged this one or two weeks ago. Uh, Zach Merrick is my guy this week. I think that he is a, uh, like a 115 averaging sort of player and uh, he's available for 520 in the midfield. I think that's an absolute bargain. He has come home reasonably strong in quite a few seasons. He had that pretty serious ankle injury when he came back really quickly from that. Did have the one down game a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I think that he's averaged 115 in the last two seasons. He's at 1.6 right now. I think that there's a world where he ends up averaging 115 for the season this season, which means he'd average like 125 on the run home. I really think that Merritt is a an excellent selection this week. Bombers also have a really good draw. 
the rest of the year. So. It is still a little, and we flagged this at the start of the year in the preseason, but there is some um, concern around Merritt's role that sometimes he might get flicked to half back. Sometimes he might play a bit more on the wing, but in just in general, he he's still going to rack up the possessions and score pretty well. I think it is worthwhile highlighting just how punchy Burke's scores have been though this year, because even though he's just had a 36, he's had three other scores under 90 in the last, was it seven games? Yeah. He's still averaging 111 for the season. And that's because yeah. he's had a 149 twice and a 156. So yeah. Burke's even cheaper at 490k feels like a bit of a toss of the coin between the two in terms of which will score more. I think Merritt is safer, but Boak potentially also offers some more upside depending on having a few big games. So can I just say, if you're looking to potentially side swap a premium this week or you still need to do two mid upgrades, would you consider bringing both Boak and Merritt in or does that sort of cap your scoring too much? I think it gets down to a question on whether or not you can handle how much you're torching your bench in order to turn one of them into a Parrish or Walsh. I would prefer just to take one, but it's like trying to crystal ball basically at this stage. You could go Boak and Merritt and they could average 120 from here. You could also go Boak and Merritt and they could average closer to 110 from here. Feels like a bit of flip of the coin. And it takes us to the next question from Chris Lund. Walsh or Parrish or a fallen premium in merit? Yeah. And a, a lot of people question. asking that question this week. Yeah. And it's tough, right? Because do I think Parrish will outscore merit on the run home? Yes. Could the difference be five points per game? Yeah. That works out to be like, what, 50 points? Is that worth 100K of flexibility? It's, it's a very tough question. And it kind of depends a little bit on the rest of your midfield. So do you have other underperforming midfielders who are a bit less likely to be in that top echelon? And if you do, if you've got a couple of them, then I think that the impetus really is to get those absolute elite midfielders into your side if you can. Whereas if you're just looking for an M8, I'd be more inclined in that situation to go merit and try and use that money to upgrade elsewhere in your team. Obviously, depending on what we need, but even a side swap around round 14 players. I think even though the difference may not be worth the spend, the reason why it makes more sense to go for Parish if you can, is we do have a lot of trades and cash this year. And so trying to pick a player who can go on a run of 125 and be pretty important to have on the run home is mm. the number one priority. And that's why even though the difference is likely negligible, the chance of a 125 is much more likely to happen with Walsh and Parrish than yeah. Merritt and Boak, who've not done and that. And we yet. saw that last year. Like, we're, like, it's not like we're just crystal balling here. It's like we actually have some evidence of the previous season where they did go on super crazy runs where they were really, really important players. So I'm going to be, pick Parrish, and there's a good chance that I'd be th throwing money uh, into the bin a bit there. I do really like picking Merritt up for cheap. Last year, I did that with Kelly and with Petrarca on the run home. They averaged 115. I think these selections, they can work out pretty well. It's not too much of a challenge for either of those two players to manage 115 or even finish on a 115 mark, as you mentioned. And, and all it takes is one particularly big game and they 
pretty close to a 120 then, you know, on the run home. It'll um, be, we're actually yeah. going to live this experience, Marcus. I think you are taking Parish as your last midfield upgrade and I'm taking Merit. And I guess for the listeners out there wondering whose advice is uh, more pertinent or better, I am ranked higher. <laughs> Even though you you're recommending taking Parish anyway, I don't think it quite works in this case. But uh, what we are saying is that even though you are making the choice that is slightly compromised, you could easily end up ahead on that choice. Which I mean, it's a good reason to say like if you like Boke on Merit and you don't like Parish or Walsh as players to cheer for, this is a pretty good spot to just be like I'll take the hundred hundred thirty k price saving. There's a high potential that one of your players gets injured on the run home and does an injury early in the game. And you might not want to downgrade a rookie in order to take them up to a true premium. And that 100K can make a bigger difference as well. I know it doesn't seem like we need the cash if you're finishing your team. I'm certainly in a situation where the 100K would literally be sitting there, but things like that happen and you can always seem like a genius if you make those calls. So it's, it's pretty line ball. I think um, this year, there's been a lot of examples where your best bet is actually taking the value on offer rather than just paying full price for some of these premiums. Sounds like you're going to confuse the listeners because I thought you just said to go yeah, look, I, I mean, my, my vote is Walsh because I think that he is very much top line. But in saying that, I'm not sure where you think that I've advised on Parrish. I, I actually think that Merritt is the pick of the week this week. Merritt for 520. If we had said that at the start of the season, we would have been licking our lips and being like, yeah, bring him on. More so than Boke, who I think is not as reliable for 115. He did score a 36 year. in a full game. Yeah. All right, let's have a look at the back line and compare the players there. Bridget Jolly's asking us to compare, first up, Dan Houston versus Jaden Short. Yeah. I want to tackle this rung of player first before we get on to the top price guys, Sinclair, Doherty, and Hewitt. But first up, Houston versus Short. Short seems to actually be hurt a little bit by spending some time up on the wing. 100%. Oh, more in the midfield. Yeah, like the... He was just dominating out of the back line and his scoring's dropped a little bit since he has gone into the midfield, except for the West Coast game, which um, anyone can score well against those guys. <laughs> Still scoring fine, but has popped in a couple of scores below 100 in the last three weeks. I personally would have short ahead of Houston. I just feel Houston's already had six scores under 100 this year. He can post the big ones, but um, a bit less consistent than uh, short. Yeah. Houston's a player who I think you're happy to miss when he does pan out because of the number of times he looks like a good option and then ends up regressing to poorer scoring. That's hard for yeah. a lot of people to get their heads around that even though a player can work out, uh, probabilistically, you're still better off not picking him. Now to the tougher one, Sinclair, Doherty, Hewitt. Sinclair seems to have really benefited from Steele being out of the side. Um, his scoring's definitely gone back up since Steele was out of the team. Hewitt, if you don't have him, which I didn't until last week, and I brought him in even though he was on the bye, just playing midfield just gets so much of the ball. I think that even at his current price, he's basically a must-have, or that's the way that I saw things. Doherty is my pick of the defenders this week, just on price. Like I just think that uh, a lot like the Merritt situation, he does have a break-even of, I think, 128. He could come further down in price, but realistically, that break even not a long way from his expected average. He does play Essendon this week. 
Uh, he has looked really, really good. His score, his average is only down because he got a bit of a head knock in a game a couple of weeks ago and just limited his scoring throughout that game. I think that Doherty is the best selection in defense this week. Do you disagree with that? Would you have one of the other guys ahead? If you needed the difference in cash, then yes, but the price point's so similar. Like it's different from Merritt and Walsh. Like you're only saving 30, 40K, like 30 Doherty to Sinclair. I have their roles being better, being midfielders versus Doherty being on the halfback. There's a few other guys that can score off the halfback. At Carlton, comfortably, Hewitt, Sinclair, Doherty's, yeah, last for mine. I can understand if you're in a situation where the 30K makes a difference to the upgrades you can make for the week, picking him instead of one of the other two. But if you have the cash to me, the other two present way more threat of upside and less threat of downside. Like I don't see Hewitt and Sinclair averaging 95, whereas Doherty could have a couple of down games just not getting on the right side of the ball. Yeah, I'm not totally convinced by that. Um, watching Doherty this year, he just gets it done every game. Like he's Because he does push up a fair bit off half back. I think that my interpretation of Doherty at the moment is that he's playing uh, a bit of a different role than he did previously at Carlton. He was sort of, uh, before that extended period of time out, he was more of like a Jake Lloyd sort of seagull sort of guy, but um, he's just pushing up and uh, winning his own ball a little bit more. And I think that he could have a big second half to the season. Hewitt's done 121, 120, 118 since coming back. Yeah. And Doherty's not scored above 115 (laughs) in the last five games. Doherty can definitely punish a few big games. Like we've seen Doherty score 180s before against Essendon, who's playing this week. So again, it's very probabilistic sort of line ball calls from here. I don't think you're going to be too upset, whoever you pick. So I think that Sinclair, Hewitt, almost everyone has Hewitt. They're not like me and they brought him in a bit earlier. If they didn't, how would you have Sinclair versus Hewitt? I would have Hewitt ahead of Sinclair. It's tough because Sinclair's just coming off a 138 and a 140, but yeah. they have just played Adelaide and North and yeah. Steel's not about. Yep, I agree with that. That wraps out our show for uh, the non-Patreon content. We've now got a bit of bonus Patreon content to uh, record. So patreon.com forward slash coach if you're looking to support the show and get some extra content and extra help during the buys. We're going to discuss Bailey Smith uh, a little bit more on some strategy as well. Any final thoughts for our listeners heading into round 13? Yeah, I think that this is the round to go hard because we've got some players coming off the buy. A lot of teams this week are going to be in trouble. I think that they haven't planned particularly well for round 13 and with all the Bulldogs being out, and some crows. It's a really, really good week to be super aggressive, I think. And that includes taking rookies that you might not be super confident on. It potentially even includes side-swapping some premiums who might be in the top eight for the run home in the hope that you can spike a big game from the trade-in if you would otherwise be copying a donut. So if you're playing 17, You've got a spare trade. You very well might consider even McRae out. I don't, I don't know what's a crazy move, but Bontempelli out with a saw AC joint. I think those types of moves would be better than spending the extra trade going off to Tex Wanganin and netting 20 points. Not even close. 100% agree. All right. And with that, 
all the best and we'll catch you again next week. See ya. See ya guys. Don't